Mammoth Hello and welcome to Movie Autopsy. I'm Paul Culliver. And I'm Anthony McCormack. Anthony, your mission today, if you choose to accept it, is to steal the knock list. Wait, wait, wait. I thought I was supposed to be stealing the Chimera virus. Yeah, but not before you get the rabbit's foot. Hang on, hang on, hang on. What does this have to do with nuclear codes? Anthony, stop MacGuffin around. Paul, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to dissect our movie today... Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. MacGuffin Impossible, Rogue Nation. Did I get the name of the movie right? Rouge Rouge Nation. Oh, is that what it is? That's what it is. Always Ethan Hunt. Having to steal something for someone for some reason. Yeah. Well, it is. It's like it's not so much a mission impossible as it is like a steal, a thing that's hard to steal. <laughs> five. And this is how we'll do it. Yeah. Uh, well, this, you- yeah, this is how we find it possible to achieve this. <laughs> um, pre-spoilers, what did you think? I really liked it. Uh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rank this high on the Mission Impossible scale. Yeah, uh, and I, in terms of the year's action offerings as well, uh, I think I read it somewhere already, so I may have to tr- attribute this idea that perhaps it falls very neatly just below Mad Max, and I'll tend to agree. Yes, like well, uh, nothing else is quite as good. Uh, so yeah, and I, I, I'm, I, I walked out of it being like, yeah, that'll do. That will do. <laughs> that'll do, pig. That'll do, rogue nation. Yeah, you roped me good. Yes. What do you? What do you think? I to me. I uh, I felt like it was like a flip side of three to a certain extent, where three felt very light yeah. in tone, but also light like it gets to the end credits and you're like, oh, well, that was a very easy... And I think three had some business to do. Like, three had to get people back on board mm. after two. But I, I feel like if you were to put three next to this movie, and this movie feels much more grim, there's yeah. like a the feeling of, of more... You know, and and it's the usual. You think suspects. five is more grim than three? I think, uh, yeah, oh, definitely. Wow, you think three is grim? This is like the potential killing of a wife and everything. It's dark, man. I, you know, she's not gonna. No, I don't know. Uh, Even when I rewatch it, I forget and have oh, feel yeah. that trauma all over again. Look, let's let's get into Mission Impossible Five. Yes, Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation. Uh, <laughs> That's no, that's the one about Russia. That's uh, of course, yeah. That's the Rouge Nation. The hunt for Rouge October. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the film. There's got to be spoilers, but the best way for there to be no spoilers is if you've seen the movie. And if you like action movies, if you think any of the Mission Impossible's have been good, I think you'll enjoy this one. Yeah, there's there's a fair bit to enjoy. It was interesting because you were saying uh, what were you saying about this being in, in terms of relation to number four. Well, because it's the most direct sequel. Yeah. Where, but how do you, what do you mean by that? Well, I think a lot of the other, like, like from one to two, and it's a complete turnaround. It's a oh, different, so, such a different film. Different style, different genre, different director. Yeah. And then you go from two to three, and it's, again, like such a massive turnaround. Mm. Interesting to go from one to three, because I think one and three, are st- there is difference there. Okay. But what I was enjoying about three and four and what I thought would carry over into five now mm. is that it's like you've got your Tom Cruise and he's a known element. Yeah. Right? And it's like bringing other members of the team in. 
And that was kind of there in this movie, but again, it it did feel like a Tom Cruise star Right. Jeremy Renner, I love Jeremy Renner as an addition to this team. Yes. Which I've got to say, like, part of me is like, look, this is the thing, so, Tom Cruise, all right? Yep. Still, um, still knocking about 20 years after his first out, outing as Ethan Hunt. Well, yeah, but, it's like Terminator 5 has happened. Yeah. And that was oh, like, yeah. <laughs> that was like 91 Terminator 2 was out. Yeah. And then 95 Mission Impossible 1 was out. Right. And this is number five in the Mission Impossible series. So if you look at how old Arnold Schwarzenegger is now, <laughs> that's how old Tom Cruise must feel on the inside. Yeah. But on the outside, so buff and, and sexy and, and determined not to, you know, fade away. Yeah. To obscurity. <laughs> well, I think Mission Impossible was 96, so they're coming up on 20 years. 96. On, uh, yeah, which is interesting, because it was, it was 96, then uh, 2000 for Mission Impossible, and then Mission Impossible 3 was 2006. That was quite a big gap. Yes. Really, six years. And then another six years for 4, and then this has been a fairly quick turnaround. This is actually the quickest there's ever been a new a sequel. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Um, which I guess was off the back of Brad Bird's. Brad Bird as a director for four was amazing, and I, it's funny that you you're giving three a lot of credit, but for me four is absolutely where it's at, and oh, I felt yeah. like it's a way different film to number three. Uh, uh, and I know, look, if people are listening to this, being like three, one, four, what are you talking about? These we're, are ta- other, yeah, we're yeah. talking about obviously the prequels, well, not the prequels, the, the movies beforehand in the series. But uh, I do wonder if anyone's listening. I just I'm curious as to whether anyone's listening and going, I haven't seen these films all recently. Well, this is what I found interesting. There was like a recap, and this has been happening a few times. Like you yeah. got your Mad Max, and you got your Terminator, where it's like the la- the latest film in a series. Yeah, and it's like we're going to recap in five minutes what you missed in the other movies. Well, Mad Max doesn't really do that. Mad Max just goes fuck it. It's Max. He's doing stuff. Well, yeah, there there was pretty much like a this is what you need to go to go into Max, and then you go My into Max, Max, and you're like, I, I didn't need to know any of that. Yeah, no, he doesn't care. He doesn't Neither care. should I. Yeah. Um, Mission Impossible, it had one of those, I think it was IGN, mm. um, did a little clip. It's like, this is what you missed in the first four, you know, we'll recap the movies for you. Well, you don't need it. Well, it starts recapping and it starts recap like IGN. They're very credible. They yeah. know what they're doing. You don't need it. It's no. like the, in, the adventures are so standalone. I did like, they recapped four a bit in five in like the Senate hearings or whatever those yeah. official proceedings were, well, which I kind of liked. Five kind of felt like, in, in Bond language, a quantum of solace to four, because okay. it was like, it, it was like, I'm gonna, we're going to take the ending of four and mm. we're going to give you a little bit more. Yeah. Like this, the, the hearings are a result. Of four. I always kind of like that in action movies and superhero movies and that kind of thing where they go, all this crazy shit happens in the third act of a film and you're like, you destroyed a planet, you blew yeah. up a building, you killed a guy, whatever it is. And then it's like, oh yeah, there actually are real, real world consequences. This is not just like, oh, oh, we all get to skip off into the into the sunset now being happy, uh, safe America. Yeah. Um, it's like the set of hearings with Alec Baldwin. Oh God, Alec Baldwin was so good. Yes. Just like, and I love because he's he's... I like because there's been so many baddies in... It's like it's been like Mission Control or this uh, supervisor or whatever yeah. of, of the IMF is like always like, oh, is he a baddie? Is he not? And sometimes he is and sometimes he isn't. And this time it was like... It was just like, it's just Alec Baldwin just trying to do his job but being a bit of a dick about it. 
But I like as well that um, once upon a time in the hunt for Rouge October, for example, <laughs> like Alec Baldwin is a very serious actor. Yeah. And Alec Baldwin, as we know him today, is very funny. Like, he, Yeah, well, 30 Rock said that. Exactly. I think. It fle- he flexes uh, the lemon, comedy. Uh... Yeah. Um, and, and Mission Impossible, what I liked was that he's playing a serious actor. He's playing a serious actor. He's playing a serious <laughs> character. Yeah. But you get to have fun with him as well. Yeah, like yeah. the classic example is that this is Ethan Hunt's last day as a free man. <laughs> Six months later. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, that's a nice thing is I think uh, number four with Brad Bird kind of really set up. Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol. Uh, Ghost Protocol. I like they've moved away from, they're like, oh, let's stop numbering them. Let's just call them yeah. movies. Um, Ghost Protocol. Brad Bird really set the tone of a new comedy of Mission Impossible it, yes. 5. Uh, Mission and, Impossible, rather, and well, then Chris McCorry has tried to continue that on, which I really respect. This is, I you shoot me if I'm if uh, <laughs> out of line by saying this, yeah. But I feel like watching Number Five makes you realize how well directed Number Four was, yeah. And not in the sense that Number Five is badly directed, because no, Christopher no. McQuarrie, great, yeah, very great, and he he brings like a, a grimness to it. Like, yeah, like at one point, the the lady stabs a dude in the head, and everyone in the <laughs> cinema, like you felt that. Like part of it was like that it was just such a visceral thing. Yeah, but the other part was like I thought this was a Mission Impossible movie, you know, and you're stabbing a dude in the head. Um, People gonna get stabbed. Well, yeah, apparently I did like, and then in terms of its sense of the the weight or the sense of history, like that moment when Ethan, it's like is, when he walks into the record store. Can I just say this is a weird little personal thing? That little laneway he walks down out of Oxford Circus. I swear to God, that's the lane I walk through every day to get to work. So I squealed a oh little bit God. in the cinema, and I wanted to be like Anthony. And then I was like, nobody cares. But I mentioned it on the podcast. Well, this is the thing about Once Upon a <laughs> Time and that first movie. There's that bridge in Prague. Right. Is it the actual, where was it? Well, in- this is the interesting thing. I read about this in the trivia, is yeah. that they, they spent, uh, like, weeks lighting up that river. Yep. Like, setting up, lighting across it with generators and everything so that they could get the right effect on film. Yep. Uh, and to the extent that they lit the river, the actual river in Prague, so well that photographers from all over, like, Prague and the Czech Republic... Yeah. Would come in taking photos because they were like, holy shit, our river looks fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's the actual river in Prague. I remember my older sisters going overseas and they were like, I'm on the Mission Impossible. They didn't even care about movies or or, Mich- or Tom Cruise. Yeah. But they, they were really excited to be on that bridge. Do you know what hurts me is that I've been to Prague. Yeah. And I didn't even know. Like, oh. I'd already I'd seen Mission Impossible, but I didn't know. I thought there I was forgot. a thing, like, it, it wasn't specifically in Prague, but it was, like, the next town over or well, something. Well, maybe they maybe filmed some of, that them, up. some of the bits yeah. in other places. But, um, well, and also, because they actually visit London in the first film, there's, like, a shot of, like, the Liverpool station stuff. Yep, yep. And all that. And the, But that the, all their exteriors in the first film looked very staged, like, sound stagey. Yes. Whereas this one, it was like, they're in London. Yes. And anyway, the record store, what I'm talking about, is uh, when he goes in, and it's like the lady behind the, you know, there's a bit of a flirty talk there, which yeah. I, I guess is actually meant to be like code words. Yes. But it comes across as like, why have you written it in such a, it's such <laughs> a, like a flirty, like, oh, something old, something. But also I was like, are they describing Tom Cruise? <laughs> like something, oh. something a bit old, something a bit jazzy, something, you know. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought it was going, where it was going with. But then I love the bit where she's like, I've heard the stories. They can't all be true. And it's like, there's that sense of like, oh, I saw them on film. I've seen <laughs> Mission yeah, Impossible yeah. 1 to 4. They're all true. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me the other one, Nathan. The one about the rabbit's foot. <laughs> <laughs> and then he rips off his face? Yeah. What? What? Can't be true. Um, It, it was kind of... A, it was a weird tone, Tom Cruise-wise, because what I really enjoyed about number four was that it was the first time we saw Mission Impossible missions going wrong. Right. And which is kind of like, when you think about it, they have an alarming strike rate. And I like that they also mentioned that in the, in the, um, in the Senate hearing or yeah. whatever, the Royal Commission, whatever it is. I like that they go, like, this, this is either skill or just dumb luck. Like, there is a point at the movie where unequivocally the mission succeeds because of 100% luck, which is when he's in the water tank and he just shoves whichever card he didn't drop into the, and it just happens to be the right one. That was a, like, yeah, it was a, like, a friend that came with us was making the point, like, the point at which you don't distinguish between those two cards, like, put a marker on it or something, you're being a bad agent. Yes. Yes, and 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 like, I like. There's no what I. That's what number four was for me, where it was like things go wrong, and you see how good they are that they cope with the thing going wrong and they improvise yeah. and they and at least know. a great comedy as well. Like exactly the, the 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 point at which Tom Cruise in number four he finds out he has to sc- climb the skyscraper, and then when <laughs> yes. the the glove falls out, and then he has to swing into the window from the. All of that is, and Simon Pegg, like, yeah. but then again in this one, oh my God, Simon Pegg just be like, yeah, he can swim through the tank. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. No, he'll be fine. That was that, hilarious. Like that was the comedy of the movie for me. And yeah. it was really, really strong. Like even to a point where, and it was kind of like, you give it a pass because you're like, I'm not sure it would work this way. Wherever, Whenever he would bang the computer and the set would rise or fall and Tom Cruise would be like, Oh, <laughs> because he's like battling someone on top of the set as it's go- in the opera, as it's going up and down. Oh, right. <laughs> that was, yeah. And it was like, I'm not sure banging the computer the, the, the would specifically. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. On. yeah. I'm not sure that, you know, that it would work exactly that way, but you accept it. Well, I think like he was hitting a button is what it was. Right. Something like that. But it was very funny. Like, yeah. the, <laughs> the kind of, you know, Simon Pegg, Grabbing more blanket for himself and Tom Cruise, like out in the cold, kind of thing. Which, yeah, which is a, a great dynamic. It's almost like the the guy carrying a long like beam and like turning around and then like you know yeah. hitting the guy in the head around the around exactly. the corner. Um, you I, know what? I really like that dynamic, and I'd like yeah. to see kind of more of it. And like, it's funny that it was Simon Pegg was introduced in number three. Yeah. And was he was a desk kind of jockey or whatever then. Yeah. And the fact that he was really underutilized in three. Like, he was kind well, of funny, but, you, you know. Well, he was a late substitution. I'm not sure if you knew that. Really? Originally, that was supposed to be Ricky Gervais. Ah. Oh, so appeared... glad it's Simon Pegg. Yeah. Well, it works a lot better in, you know, when we get to number five and it's Simon Pegg doing all the stuff that he's doing. I mean, I love the cold open. Like, it, I think... The cold open for number five was fantastic. Of just yes. going, you know what? We're just going to give you, we're going to get into some shit later, but let's just give you just this beautiful mise en scene. I don't know if that's the right phrase for what I'm talking about. This little yep. vignette 
of just uh, just the team doing their thing, and it's just Simon Pegg being a bumbling, hilarious, but basically competent yeah. <laughs> hacker. Tom Cruise just fucking turning up and jumping on a plane, and then Ving Rhames just being like, "Yeah, I'm in Malaysia. What of it? Or Singapore, <laughs> or whatever, wherever it was. It's like it. It or Hong Kong. Oh, fuck, I can't remember. It informs you as well about how good Ving Rhames is that he's on another mission, but still helping out <laughs> yeah. Benji on this mission. Yeah, and then Jeremy Renner just being at like Mission Control, being like, "What is happening?" <laughs> it's it's great. And it's, but you know what? That actually speaks to something. That there was a few cues in it that I thought were comedic cues because I was so used to. I was like, "Oh, yes. it's being a funny movie. It's being a funny movie." Yes, there was. A, we both had it. There was a few cues where we went, "Ah, oh, that's funny." Oh no, that's not the joke. Yes, yes, and, exactly. And the first one was when he jumped. It was like wrong door, wrong door. Yeah, they finally opened the right door for the plane, <laughs> and then the back hatch was open we both burst out laughing because we thought he was just gonna fall straight out the back yes and that would have been i mean fatal but hilarious yes <laughs> very funny like even if he'd caught onto a rope or something but right. was still hanging out yeah. the back they didn't quite yeah i think yeah. they could have played it in a way that he didn't die <laughs> and and that to me was like the story of the movie as a whole where it was like it gives you that beat and it's it kind of, the tone gets a little like you you ha ha but you're, oh no uh, yeah yeah so it's so like that, it's it, all there on the screen and you're feeling all these things there was a, there was another moment where I did that where I think it was Jeremy Renner kind of having kind of dressing down Tom Cruise about something because there was that conflict there yeah and I forget exactly what it was where it was like Jeremy Renner did this like it's all about you it's your ego blah 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 and then I think. Tom Cruise kind of did this thing where he's sitting down and he has his hands in front of him, kind of on his lap or a bit in front of his lap, and he kind of, like, parts them slightly, kind of in a, like, whoa, kind of way. And I started laughing because I thought it was him doing, like, a comedic defensive, like, oh, buddy, it's not all about me. But then, and I laugh because, like, oh, it's Tom Cruise being like, oh, what, me, kind of thing, like, hands up in the air. And then it turns out, and then he was, like, quite serious, he's like, do you think that what this, that's what this is? Do you think that's what it's all about me? I was like, oh, oh no, you're being serious. Okay, no, don't worry about it, Tom Cruise. is fine. Yeah. I'm not laughing. Yeah. Like, it was it was that thing of, like, there were places where I thought it was meant to be funny. Well, exactly yeah. what we were talking about. And it happened a few times. Like, during action sequences. There, You know what? There's a great little bit where it's Tom Cruise pops off on the motorcycle after the big car, cra- uh, car chase through the streets of... Morocco, I think. Yep, that sounds right. I'll yeah, and both uh, is it Ving Rhames and Simon Pegg's head pop up at the same time, like like ferrets, like yeah. <laughs> like meerkats. That's pretty hilarious. And uh, we- it was meant to be funny, I guess. But um, yeah, the um, yeah, like like a lot of that comedy kind of thing. Like there was that big comedy drawn out thing where Simon Pegg. Tom Cruise is trying to send him home, and Simon Pegg's like, "No, you know, I signed up for this. So I'm going to stay <laughs> yeah. here." And then there's just the pause and Tom Cruise says okay and it's like it is kind of a funny moment yeah. but you you kind of felt like the um the humor was like Christopher McQuarrie who who directed this mm. and he also directed Jack Reacher yes which Tom Cruise is in it, and that's a very very good movie but you look at that and it's like you get where the grimness and the you know the action is very sort yeah. of Life and death stakes. It's not like cartoony Buster Keaton kind of action. Yeah. Um. So I, I feel like the humor. It's it's a credit that there is that much humor in there and that it works so well. But well, and he also Chris McQuarrie. I should also say wrote Edge of Tomorrow. 
Ah, oh, well, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, which also has a lot of... That's the thing. That That's that, very funny. Obviously, there's a... Uh, we're probably talking... I'm talking... There's some. There's a lot of funniness in the script. Yeah. But then there's also a lot of... There is a lot of attempted visual humor. Like like with the, you know, meerkats popping up and the yeah, dressing. Yeah. Like, it's not... Uh, some of it's written into it. With I, I think Chris... He wrote, both wrote and directed this, didn't he? Yes. So... Uh, there's some stuff in the script, and then there's stuff that he tries to establish with the directing. I don't. Age of Tomorrow was not directed by Chris McCrory, though. I don't think, uh, but he wrote it. Yeah. So it's interesting where there's like, but there is a similar visual humor that's trying to be presented that I really like. That I kind of I feel like it's being hinted at, but yeah, it doesn't quite nail every time. Whereas number four, Brad Bird, like ah, so on point. There is an elephant in the room for me, and I want to okay. I want to get it out as quickly as possible. Yeah. I really like that Five brings back so many familiar characters. Yeah. It brings back Jeremy Renner. Yeah. It brings back Ving Rhames. It brings back Simon Pegg. Yeah. Doesn't bring back Maggie Q. Right. It brings back Tom Cruise. It brings <laughs> back, like, all of the, like, Paula Patton. Where is she? Was she why sick that it, day? Yeah, why is it the women that have to be the like the Bond women? Yeah, exactly. That, like, there's that feeling where they're all sitting around the table and they're all dudes, and it's like the 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 token female of the movie is not in the room because this movie, the token female, is on the other side, and you know her loyalty is questionable, yeah. and there's like a Catwoman thing going on where she's playing both sides. Um, and I kind of felt like. If you're going to bring, like, you bring Simon Pegg back because there's a story reason for him to be there. Like, the yeah. Ethan-Benji dynamic is very, very funny. And then, like, you know, you bring Jeremy Renner back because you've kind of got him, he's playing both, he, he's got the Alec Baldwin relationship and the Tom Cruise relationship. Like, he is a character that can do that. Yeah, I, and I like that they kind of, because he started out being... Kind of uh, at the start of four, you get introduced to him as a guy in a suit, and then you find out that yeah. he's a, 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 you know, a trained agent. Yes, and then I like that it's like you go back to him being like playing the corporate, not the corporate role, but the bureaucracy, like dealing with that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then inevitably he gets to go kick some ass again. Which I was going to say earlier, Tom Cruise obviously quite a bit older, right? Yeah, I wonder whether there is an element of Jeremy Renner to be like Jeremy. Well, we'll get Jeremy to do some of the stunts, shall we? Well, the, I thought. And maybe this was, like, bad reporting, or maybe this was bad reading, me, reading things wrong, the wrong way. But, um, because Tom Cruise had had been down in the polls, and, like, you know, people were reacting, you know, Tom Cruise, cut him a break. (laughs) But at at that time, at the time number four was coming out, people were like, boo, Tom Cruise. (laughs) Um... And so Jeremy Renner had kind of been set up as in the same way that he's ready to take over the boards, yeah. you know, Matt Damon, you know, we, you've had some fun. Um, right. It's going to be, it's, the, yeah. it's going to be tough for me to take over from you, Matt, uh, but I'll do my best. And Matt's all like, it's going to be nearly impossible for you to take over because I'm taking <laughs> it back. Yeah. That's, it's just been announced. Number five. Exactly. Or the fourth. Yeah. With uh, Tommy Lee Jones is in there now. Great. Um, but yeah, Jeremy so, Renner's kind of become the go-to actor, like he's Hawkeye, yeah. and he he's so born. he was he was going to be the new Mission Impossible guy, really. And then I think just purely the success of like Mission Impossible Four, Tom Cruise is like you know whether it's him or whether it's the people behind the scenes say 
I reckon we can get a bit more play out of this Tom Cruise guy. Yeah, I think it's the thing where... I think Tom Cruise is in a position where if he wants to make the film, yeah. he's got to make the film. I wonder whether he has any rights in it. I mean, he would obviously have oh, exact he... producer credits and stuff. Yeah, well, it's a Tom Cruise production. Right. Yeah. So that's the thing. I think it's in a position where he's got to do those films if he wants to do those yeah. films. Well, the, this is the other character that they don't bring back, and this is a little bit more quizzical, mm. which was uh, Michelle Monaghan from... Mm. Is it? It's Monaghan, isn't it? I don't want to get it confused with Bridget Moynihan. <laughs> uh, Michelle Monaghan, she was in number three, and she was a wife. Oh, the wife. Who is... She does feature briefly at the end of four. Yeah, well, that's... There's, like, the story in four is like, oh, what happened to the wife? Oh, guess she died. And then, you know, there's, like, a twist at the end, and it's a weird twist, because it's like, there she is. <laughs> Not sure what happened. Maybe they'll explain that in number four. No, they explain it all in four. Do, what, what do they explain? What? Uh, so the story is that they were together, and then because that's whole that's Jeremy Renner's arc. Well, I get the whole thing that he's like, I feel bad, I didn't protect your wife, yeah. even, and he's all like, she was never yours to protect. Yeah. But then, what are they still married? Yeah, yeah, but like they from are. a distance. From a distance. Well, it's implied, but yeah. But then she doesn't even come into this one no, at all. I- yeah, I guess, well, because I guess all she could have done was, like, I think the implication, <laughs> I, and this is me reading into it, is that he's got a wife. She's not cool like Luther, Paul. <laughs> Luther's really cool. <laughs> and the, imp- the wife's, like, dumb. I think the implication is that um, he can't be with her until he's done. Right. <laughs> so, well, that was going to be number four. But then Luther, who's cool, yeah. was at the end of number four. He's like, Ethan, come back. And and Ethan's all like, oh, you know, sorry, Mrs., but Luther's cool. Mm. <laughs> you know, they mentioned the syndicate at, number, at the end of four. Yeah, well, that, yeah. Which is interesting because there's a, I feel this is a slight plot hole. Okay, bring it uh, on. You, I know you think it's a plot hole with the wife. I think it makes sense. It is a bit weird because in a way there's no point at which, because I was like, oh, are they going to, is Tom Cruise going to make out, you know, like inevitably as he has to with... Well, th- yeah, Ilsa, yeah. Well, yeah. Faust. But then they never do. And in my in the back of my mind, and I wonder whether this is meant to be the point. Like, oh, you're like, I don't know, he's married. That's why that didn't happen. Because yeah. inevitably, otherwise, it would. I'm not saying I want it to happen. I'm saying in the storytelling, they'd just be <laughs> like, oh, hot woman. They would make out. Tom, Tom Cruise is going through the script saying, why, why don't we make out? Yeah. Oh, remember in the other movie with Tom, you got that's a wife? And he never, that's, I kind of thought she would be like, you know, look me up. And he'd be like, I'm married. And she'd be like, oh, okay, bye. Well, exactly, yes, yeah. But Good that never point. happens. Anyway, yeah. the plot hole that I, at, in terms of continuing from four to five, yes. at the end of four, it's him getting a call from IMF. And it's in, in fact, he puts down four phones on the table and each of the team take one, yes. including, is it Paula Patton? Yes. Including her. Yes. And they all take it. In theory, it's all the same mission. You hear Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt's version of the mission. And it's your mission, if you should choose to accept it, is to investigate the syndicate. Yeah, well, there you go. Right? So yeah. he's not the first person that hears about the syndicate. His, you know, mission control intelligence people are telling him about it. So then cut to number five, and they say we've been chasing it for not as long as it's been since number four. Mm -hmm. And Alec Bowen going, it's a figment of Ethan Hunt's imagination. I was like, no, he got told about the syndicate from someone else within the IMF. You see what I'm saying here? Yeah, I do. Because my go-to defense would have been that it was, uh, uh, what's his name? 
the uh, Carmine Falcone. Oh, yeah. But he's dead. Well, exactly. Because I thought, oh, well, obviously he's sent those phones before he the... died. And it's like, no, he died at the start of the movie. <laughs> he died in Russia. And the phones came out at the end of the movie. Yeah. So, yeah, you, that's a very valid point. So, though. I like that they went... Well, that's what I wonder. Because if you just put in the phrase, the syndicate... Yes. You're just leaving that for the next script writer. Just go, yeah, you you figure out what the syndicate is. Yeah. <laughs> and I really liked the syndicate storyline. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. They didn't go, because they didn't go, because this is the thing, Quantum of Solace, right? Mm-hmm. If everyone can remember what the Quantum of Solace is, it's just a shady, we still don't know. And I think we've got to find out. Oh, yeah. Maybe Quantum of Solace is Spectre. Maybe. Yeah. I think the next movie, which is called Spectre, <laughs> might have something to do with it. But that. until now, it's just been like generic, shady evil organization which is what the syndicate was very nearly seemed like it was yes and i was a bit bored by it yep i was a bit like oh who is the syndicate i don't know it's just people that we don't know yes. whatever yawn well that it felt very jj abrams who is the bad robot that you see at the start of the movie right. and mission impossible has kind of become a bad robot joint because he he produced it from three onwards, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah. He definitely directed the third movie. And it was like Tom Cruise was like binge-watching Alias, which is like the show that J.J. Abrams did right. that was very spy. And that was very like the syndicate and the executive right. and the Corsican, <laughs> you know. Like at the start of every season, they'd be investigating a new, you know, um, and it'd have a new title, right? And it was always collective nouns. The the yeah, um, the exec the I, I used executive, didn't I? <laughs> the flock of seagulls. Yeah, the pride of lions. <laughs> the pride. There you go. There is a <laughs> alias villain group. <laughs> wow, there should be like a an online thing for that. Figure out your yeah your alias affiliation. You know, if it was two thousand, I don't know when was alias out. But I, what I liked is that it kind of set up these questions about, like... Um, and it's happened in spy movies before, but I think this did it really well, of, like, you're not necessarily fighting for good. Mm. You're fighting for a nation. And it, it's kind of interesting that the United States and England are, like, they're bros. Yeah. And like, we're, we're friends. It's all cool. And, then like, Alec Baldwin has that great line at at the end like you've you taken us all the way back to the civil war or whatever it was <laughs> well, yeah take back to the the american revolution yeah the, the, civil american, war. the american revolution uh well yeah before the civil war yeah yeah, yeah before the civil <laughs> war we're talking like uh american british uh war That's yeah great. yeah <laughs> um which yeah very funny um, but it's it's interesting that they those nations are friends, but they have like complicated interests that have yeah. become bastardized, and it's kind of like the in service of their country, these people are being pitted against each other. Mm. But they they're really friends, like they're I, really okay. What is it? What is it with American movies? Instead of like, because it used to be like, ah, oh, Cold War, the bad guys are the Russians or the Chinese or whatever. Now the bad guys are becoming the British. What is yeah. Fast and Furious six and seven? Yeah, there's the bastard British, those terrorists, those British terrorists. I reckon it's like American screenwriters looking up history books and going, yeah, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Although in a way, I kind of do appreciate that they're going, oh, the terrorists are the white people. Yeah. (laughs) The bad people are the white people. Not always just like 
some Arab guy. Exactly. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah. It's probably for the best that we have a bit of a mix. Let's That's... have diversity in our evil people. That, that was a really great... This is going way off tangent. But uh, Art Malik mm. in... Um, and this shows you kind of like the evolution of cinema. Yeah. Because he was in a Bond movie. And it was, uh, it was uh, The Living Daylights, which also starred Andreas Wisniewski, <laughs> okay. I believe his name is. I'm going to take your word on that. Who played an assassin named Necros. And he also starred in the first Mission Impossible movie. Oh. And he turns up again in Mission Impossible 4. For some reason, I don't what? know. Yeah, he's like the guy that hands Tom Cruise the be- the beanie mask. That's like ah oh, in number four, in number four, but also in number one. Exactly. So it's kinda, that's great because yeah. I recognize the beanie as the same beanie. Yeah, and he's the same guy. And that's I don't, great. I don't like he's like they share Tom Cruise and he share a smile with each other. But anyway, so to round out this big complicated tangent web. Yeah, Art Malik plays uh, a guy that when Bond comes in, he's in an Afghanistan prison. He's like, "Oh, you, oh, help me, help me, oh, I am local, oh." And then the second they break him out of the prison, he's all like, "So tell me, James, what can I do for you?" And he's like, he's obviously playing down for the people who have him in captivity, right, right. But he is an actual guy that knows what he's doing, and and I, he's he's British. I, I, well, he has a Brit- he's British as an actor, I believe, Art Malik. <laughs> but when he starts talking to James, yeah, does he have a British accent? Well, <laughs> just yeah. Just because you just put on a British accent yeah, I see. when talking to James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I'm I, a bit I, confused. I, no, that's... Um, uh, look, yes. Did he turn British? In, in movie, he turned British. <laughs> okay. In, in movie, he, he turned... Yeah, yeah, okay. That's all and I then, wanted. like, fast forward, like, a couple of years in Sex and the City 2, and Art Malik turns up again in that, and you're like, oh, fantastic, he's going to be... And she was, you know, Sex and the City too. We all remember that movie, don't we, Paul? Um, it was not good for international. I remember every second of it that I've seen. <laughs> Art Malik, funnily enough, is also the bad guy in True Lies. You know what I was thinking, though? that Something about having the rich white guy as the bad guy is kind of appropriate in terms, possibly about my worldview, in the going, let's talk about the people that actually have the power, that are actually, like, have the power and means and money to... Be evil and yeah. and fuck up our society. It's those guys. It's the rich white guys in suits that are doing bad things. Yes, not to persecute all of them. Hey, well, if you're a rich white guy in a suit, good chance you're an okay guy. Yeah. However, Trump for president. Trump for president, 2016. <laughs> however, yeah. however, yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying. Like, yes, like. I like that aspect of these, 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 this movement towards going like, well, who are the people that have the means to be terrible people and should be hunted down by T- Dominic Toretto and, like, and, and Ethan Hunt and James Bond? Like the whole movie, you kind of feel like the bad guy is the guy from Prometheus who doesn't want to be your friend. Yeah. Like, did you, were you looking at that guy saying, where do I know you from? And then right. suddenly he has a mohawk and he's saying, I didn't come here to be friends. I came here to make a lot of money. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm... James, <laughs> I've been locked up with you in Afghanistan. <laughs> and I've got an accent, James. <laughs> sometimes I'm Cockney, but sometimes I'm received pronunciation. James. Um, uh, Am I getting confused about my characters again? <laughs> Anyway, my point is, <laughs> my point is that they play 
like you know Art Malik's character as yeah. like oh you th- you think he's this stereotype oh it turns out he's not the stereotype at all he's actually a really cool guy and shame on you for thinking that he wasn't <laughs> okay I will when say when he starts talking like this can I say the third movie the third yeah. act. Yep. Was everything about like a heist movie that goes, oh, you'll think it's going wrong, but it's actually going right. Like that's the classic like sting and then yeah. everything since has done that. Ocean's Eleven, Hustle, everything. Yes. But it wasn't actually a heist, but it was that, it was like, oh, you'll expect it. And so it was like that that common trope of going, oh, he's control, in control. And in a way, it, it, I feel like the story got a bit convoluted. Well, because uh, what I liked about it is that you, you, for the whole movie, you think the bad guy is that breathy guy with the glasses. Yeah. But it's actually the head of the British intelligence. Right. Well, the both of them. Well, both of them. It's but like... it's, it, I mean, the head of the British intelligence is the guy who should know better. Yeah. And, you know, he's erasing discs when he really shouldn't be, Paul. Yeah. He should not be. What a all. dick. What a dick. Well, he's being, yeah, he's being a dick handler and trying to predict, pre- yeah. And and this was another expectation thing where we came out of the theatre and we were all talking about this moment. Uh, you, I, uh, all of your friends, I'm friends with them too, they're good people. And uh, they were saying, this, the moment, Alec, we all knew that Ethan Hunt was in that room at the end. Yeah, I wasn't sure which one. Yeah, well, the second that, Alec I was Baldwin. Like, oh, I think it's gonna. Ha- I think he's one of these people. The thing, the second that Alec Baldwin starts going on that big long monologue about Ethan Hunt is the very manifestation, the very of manifestation destiny. of destiny, the most absurd line, yeah, yeah, delivered. Uh, I mean, that's played for obviously delivered for laughs. Yeah, but at that point, you go, maybe that's. Oh, that's Ethan talking himself up and having yeah. a bit of fun. Because who seriously says that about someone? Like, yeah. it even in the context of the conversation, it didn't really make sense. It was almost like they just went, oh, finish this line, manifestation of destiny. Like, I w- it was like they were getting distracted by something else on stage and Alec Baldwin just said that. Yeah. And then they went, oh, I was focusing on something else. Yeah, let's go- cut it. Let's go. <laughs> like, cut and print it. But I, like, at that exact moment, I'm like, oh, this is an interesting twist, because you feel like it's the chief of British intelligence, but it's actually Alec Baldwin. And now we're going to, you know, rewind back and find out what they've done to Alec Baldwin, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, two seconds later, it's like the head of British intelligence takes off his mask, and it's like, no, it was me. It was me the whole time. I um, particularly enjoyed uh, Tom Holland. I had to look him up <laughs> as the Prime Minister, who people probably most know from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. Who's he playing? Uh... Is it Beckett? Yeah. Lord Beckett? Or... He's, uh, yeah, and I like, he plays, he does some good comedy as British Prime Minister. He's like, oh, yeah. yes, you did save me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All that stuff. Which is great. Just, I, just yeah. the look of pride on, on Alec Baldwin, who's been a serious character the entire movie, and they're like, you you saved the Prime Minister, Alec Baldwin. <laughs> and the look of pride on his face, is just, he pulls that off. I did like that aspect of the plot in that they went, not only do we have to, like, save the day, but we also have to, like, have Alec Baldwin, like, like us at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and oh, how great at the end with Jeremy Renner, like, I cannot discuss any details. <laughs> yeah. Um, which at that point, I almost thought they were going to, in the room, be like, Alec Baldwin, you're the secretary. Can you fucking get Jeremy Renner to get to tell us something? Yeah. Um, but that was a nice. I, I was a bit like, um, again, like a bit like uh, with Q, uh, or no, M rather, becoming Ralph Fiennes at the end of 
Yeah. Skyfall. Is Ray, Rafe Fiennes. Rafe. Yeah, what Rafe. did I say? Ralph. I'm sorry. No, well, that's that's the way everyone Rafe. pronounces it when Ralph isn't in the room. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I kind of like that of going, hey, you know this great cameo? We definitely are getting them back. <laughs> yeah. But see, like, again, like, I would love to see Mission Impossible 6 and Alec Baldwin is there. Like, he in the fits. Field. Yeah. Well, no, in, you know, <laughs> you don't even have to have him in the field. Cause in you, the field. You know exactly where that's going. He's like fumbling. They're like, you know, you know what you're doing, Alec Baldwin. He's like, oh, I'm not trained for this. I usually pay someone to do this lemon. But I see, again, like, that's another dude. More like, dudes. So many dudes. Yeah. Let's like, have Ilsa. Let's have Ilsa. Mission, mission Ilsa. Like, what was exciting about, like, um, Num- Bond and Bourne and, like, all of these kind of male kind of action fi- f- figures. I guess they're action figures because yeah. it's, like, people literally, like, grabbing them, pew, pew, and, like, <laughs> fighting each other with them. But it's, like, Mission Impossible is is not is a different kind of beast because it's about cunning and intelligence and all of these qualities that are traditionally female. <laughs> you know what I think would be kind of funny and doesn't necessarily service what we're talking about? Yes. But just a mid to post credit sequence of just all the women that Tom Cruise has just like left behind in his life, all just grabbing a drink at a bar one night. Just be like, did he, did he do the thing where, yeah, yeah, he, did. yeah. he said the, I'll see you soon, and then disappeared into the mist. Oh, he does that. Hey. He does do that. Yeah. I think that would be funny. <laughs> I, um, Ilsa, I think my favorite Ilsa scene in the movie is like the, the opera. And there's like a sniperthon going on where That's it's great, like yeah. a gazillion snipers all going after this one yeah. guy, and like this great split moment decision. And this was the one part I felt like the movie was ahead of me because mm. like Tom Cruise is like, do I take out the dude or do I take out the girl that saved my life? Mm. But either one that I take out, the other one is still aiming at the you <laughs> yeah. know. Whoever he is, the ch- ch- chancellor or chancellor of uh, of Austria, Austria. Mm. So it's like, and and then he takes the third option, which is like, I'm going to get the, you know, I'm going to shoot him in the arm and get him out of the way. Yeah. Which ah, uh, slow clap, Clever. Tom Cruise. You really. were you were like Ed the Citizen Kane, just. Yeah, I I actually stood up and people were like theater. shouting behind me, down in front. <laughs> um. But but the set immediately after that scene, and they're in the the limo, and the the lady Ilsa is like, "That was all a test for me." And like, as you know, I don't know, I, the, kind of the magic of that scene for me was like, you are fighting a syndicate, which is like they are sending all of these people after you know this one guy, yeah, because they know that there might be a Tom Cruise there, but it's like. If the only reason that they're sending all these other dudes, dudes being the operative <laughs> word, Paul, is to make sure this chick does what they want her to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the second the chick doesn't comply, kill the chick with a dude. And get the, <laughs> get the dude, the other dude, to kill the dude. You know what? I, one thought I had, did have, though, which is interesting, is that it tends to be like when you have... Um, like the female goodie, and then mm. the female baddie. It's like they fight because you can't have a guy beat up a girl. Yes, but this was like Rebecca Ferguson, Ilsa Faust. Like got to get in there. Yes, she got to beat up some people. 
But I, I didn't confuse because the number of times she fucked over the syndicate, and then they let her back. It was like, like they tried to address it in the script, but I did feel like I was like, you're meant to probably be not happy with her by now. I kind of liked the reveal of like the the whatever his name is, the glasses and raspy voice. Yeah, and, and Lane Sean Harris. Lane Sean Harris. I'm not here to be your friends, Ilsa. I'm here to make money. <laughs> Don't think he's Cockney. <laughs> well, I'm talking about Prometheus. You remember uh, Prometheus, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> What's your <laughs> chimney look like, Ilsa? Does it need a good clean, proper copper? Okay. Anyway, I I liked that that scene was basically him saying, oh, by the way, you know how you kept dicking me over and it was ambiguous which side you were on? I knew the entire time you were not on my side. Right. The reason you're still alive is that you now see how the, the proper dude, like the chief of intelligence, is willing to treat you. Right. And that's not how so I'm willing his, to treat you. It was his game to try and turn it properly. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, I and like you, All right. What I enjoyed about like that, that is you kind of say, why would agents, you know, who are in the field who are doing this to protect their countries, why would they turn? And I like that this Lane guy is yeah. the guy that was like, he is willing to put that much effort yeah. to turn. A, but see, like, for one, you know, for one asset to be that valuable to him, but then for him to send, like, two guys to make sure that she... You know what I mean? Like, he's kind of like... He's going to run out of guys very quickly. I think he's got more bodies than he does have cash, I think. that's his, yeah. He's like, ah, bodies, whatever. Man, well, he just shoots that guy in front of her. Yeah. He's just, he's just like, shooting people, I yeah. guess. He um, is, he's not well. Yeah, I think, I think generally this film... Perhaps actually a, a second viewing, not just for the action sequences, but for the story, is would be worthwhile. Because I, I think that I walked out going, I'm a bit confused about some of it, or I think I knew what happened, but I think there is maybe Chris McCrory did put a bit more subtlety into this than I, I'm giving credit for. I don't know. I reckon this was a very, very ambitious movie. Yeah. And it hit a lot of notes that I think were really hard to hit. Mm. And it was very intelligent. Yeah. Um, but it didn't feel as balanced as number four. Like number four felt like an acrobat dancing along a yeah. tightrope, whereas number five was very carefully, slowly yeah. walking. But down. in terms of, I, I'm still going to say, in terms of the the offerings this year, in terms of action movies, yes, Mad Max is far and above just going to stay at the top there. Yes, but five is a very admirable Mission Impossible five, very admirable entry. So that's our that's our movie autopsy for Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. <laughs> Rouge Nation, Paul. Rouge Nation. Rouge Nation. Rouge Nation. Rouge Nation. <laughs> I think it could do with a bit more rouge in there. All right, like makeup. Like even that bit where they. Sorry, speaking of the rouge and the Rouge Nation, Russia again. They did the. This is the Kremlin <laughs> before. Uh, this is the Kremlin <laughs> after. That was very funny. Yeah. Uh, you can tweet at us at Movie Autopsy. You can find us on Facebook as well. Uh, if you want to subscribe to us and you haven't done that, oh my God, go search Movie Autopsy, your podcast app of choice. It's fantastic. There it is. There episodes every week. I've been Paul Caliber. I've been Anthony McCormack. See you next time. See you then. <laughs> <laughs>